Welcome to the Meet Musings podcast, the show where we talk about different issues and disabilities that affect people emotionally, psychologically, physically and mentally. We discuss health and well-being generally. We are amplifying the voices of people living with disabilities and limitations and breaking the stigmas. Our podcast is available on Podbean, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Breaker, Amazon Podcast, Tune in in Alexa, Twitter, YouTube and Facebook. We are also available on Listen Note, Radio Public and iHeartRadio. Just search Meet Musings Podcast on any social media platform. Welcome! I'm joined on the hot seat by Steve Super, born in England, but he relocated to the USA about 25 years ago, and he says he has never been back. Never. Actually, I'm, I'm now a fully incorporated US citizen. Funnily enough, I count myself as more American than British. All right. Why is that? I don't know. I guess, I don't know. The culture here has had a big effect on me and I've, I've had a full life here. And, you know, I'm, I'm married. I have a family. This is where I call my home. It's amazing. Anyway, I know the feeling, you know, where you just feel completely at home somewhere. Right. Yeah, it's right. different from, I was born in Nigeria and I'm, actually now in British. So. <laughs> right. And you're living in my old hometown, the town of Manchester. I know. Yes, that's amazing. I that's know. Amazing. That's such a coincidence. And it's it kind is. of yeah, really interesting. So it by is. the way, I just wanted to know why you relocated in the first instance. Why did I relocate? That's a great question. Um, and it's a funny answer, actually. So at the time um, I was married, I'm married today, but to a different person. But at the time on our honeymoon, we went to Disneyland. And I kind of, and it was the first time I'd ever been to America. So first time you come to America, you go to Disneyland. And I know you're going to think this is really stupid, and it is. But I kind of thought all America must be like Disneyland. So I thought, (laughs) hey, i got to live here because... Mickey Mouse is on every corner. <laughs> Everything is wonderful. It's all cherry pie. So, yeah. I, and, and also, remember, I went 25 years ago. Now, if you look at the U.S. economy and the climate, 25 years ago, it was very, very possible to come over and live the American dream. Today, that just isn't possible, I believe. I think it's too hard a country And we'll talk about that throughout the podcast. But at the time I joined, the opportunities were endless. And I truly believe I could make a great living out here. And that's why I chose to leave Manchester and move to America. I love traveling. And I've been in different parts of the world. I used to work in recruitment and I interview people. And they tell me they've never been out of Manchester. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, hey, listen. And that's funny because that's something else that we share. I also used to own recruitment agencies in Manchester. Something else we have in common. Yeah, that's interesting. Nice to have you on the podcast. Thank so, you. Uh, so Steve has over six financial companies that he's established from scratch. He's involved in recruitment, training, leading. And <laughs> everything you can think of, I know. Everything from scratch with this. And he has over 10,000 staff that sells yeah. both personal and business loans. So that's kind of fascinating. 10,000 people to control. How well, did you manage that? 
Well, it's not, I don't manage 10,000 people today, but since I started, since I came over to the US, I've managed over 10,000 people and recruited them and trained them and hired them and done everything. And the way to do it really, learning how to scale a company is really find leaders amongst your 10,000 people and teach them how to be good leaders and let them lead people and let them find good leaders in the people that they lead. So in other words, what you're doing is you're creating chains of command who are all following a singular system and all have a a similar output. And that's really how it's done. It's it's a very time-consuming skill. It's very difficult to learn um, and very frustrating. But once it gets going and it really moves, it's the most wonderful thing in the world to see a company really grow from nothing to mean something to a lot of people. And I've done that multiple times. So it's like... Nurturing, mentoring, and training your trainers, and then they train the people that you recruit. So I'm intrigued. How did you go from managing thousands of employees and running big companies to being homeless? I guess I think that the part of the story that most of your listeners will be interested in is how I managed to go from creating big companies and making a lot of money to becoming homeless and have nothing. Um, And I'd love to talk about that. And also, if you want, I can explain the journey from being homeless back into, I won't say wealthy, but back into being comfortable, I think is a better way of putting it. Yeah, that's... So let's, let's start with the first part of the journey. So... It's very strange when someone goes from being very successful to having nothing. And it happened to me in a very short period of time. Not just me, by the way. This affected a lot of people. So my company at the time, I started a mortgage company in 2005 from scratch. And by the middle of 2007, we had just close to about 3,000 people working for us. So you can imagine in two and a half years, we grew so quickly, it was unbelievable. However, if you remember history, on September the 29th, 2008, the stock market collapsed. And predominantly, so did the housing market, which is where I did all my business. And actually, I owned eight different homes here in Southern California. So within the space of six months, I went from being very wealthy and very comfortable to having absolutely nothing, losing every single one of my houses and having zero in my bank account as a result of what happened. And by the way, as I said, in America, not sure about how it was in England, but in America, thousands of people were like me and did the same journey. Maybe not losing as much money as I did, but they certainly lost and they ended up homeless. Oh, yes, they did. Lots of corporate organizations actually went bankrupt. So it was very, very sad. Now, if you talk about the psychology behind it, that too is very interesting. So I want to talk a little bit about me, 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 before I was homeless. Okay. And it was all about me, me, me. I was selfish, I was arrogant, I tread on people, 
I didn't care about humility or humanity. All that mattered to me was making that, that green piece of paper. Anyone who got in my way usually ended up losing. So to be honest with you, I was doing very well, but as a human being, not quite as well. So this is illustrated beautifully by what happened to me when I became homeless, because you might not know this if you've never been homeless before, but the thing that a homeless person needs more than anything is not food, it's not money, it's cleanliness, funnily enough. Yeah. So when I was living on the streets, the thing I wanted more than anything was not a sandwich or some money, it was a shower or a bath or the luxury of cleaning yourself without worrying if anyone's watching you or trying to kick you out or whatever, whatever. And for all the friends that I had when I was wealthy, not one of them ever offered to say to me, Steve, I can't help you out financially, but hey, you're more than welcome to use our shower, to have a wash, you know, to, to make yourself human again. Not one person offered me that. Not one. Is that because you were so horrible to them? Yes, exactly. So I think when I think about that period in my life where I went through a really bad time, I have to think that some of that was brought on by the way I was public. So when I tell this story, it's interesting because I always feel the homelessness happened to someone else, not to me. But here goes. So as I'm homeless... And I'm not a religious person by any stretch of the imagination, but homelessness does strange things to people. And I started having these conversations with God. Now, when I say conversations, they weren't really conversations because I was the only one talking and I was hoping that he was listening. What did you say to him? But every day I'd wake up and I'd say to God, if you help me get out of this position, I promise you I'll be a different person. I'll be a better person, a nicer person. I'll reach out to people who are having issues and try and help them. And that basically is exactly what happened. After six months, I got out of my situation. And as a person, I'd like to think I'm I'm far from perfect. I have foibles. I do bad things like everybody else. (laughs) But in my heart, if I see a homeless person, I will rush to them and see if there's anything I can do to help them. Even if it means giving them money, maybe they might want a wash or a shower or something like that. But I like to think that I'm here to help them just as God was to help me. So, you know, that's the way. And again, my goal is not to come on your podcast and tell you how wonderful I am. I'm still working on a lot of stuff. Believe me, I'm far from perfect. But as far as my heart goes, it's a lot bigger now than it used to be. Oh, that's so great to hear. It's just about being human to another person, just having, empathizing with them, knowing what they need. You're exactly right. And again, you hear homeless people say this all the time, and I can tell you it's true. They say we're invisible. People don't see us. We're homeless and we become invisible. And that's absolutely correct. I don't know what it's like in Manchester. I see I see homeless people all the time. I I actually go and talk to them. Sometimes when I'm just going by, I get a cup of coffee, something to keep them warm, some food, maybe a sandwich, a 
from the store and sometimes yeah. I actually do take clothes to them. Oh, yeah. You're lovely. But you see, you are very special. But most people, and I can tell you in, in LA, which is where I live now in Los Angeles, people just walk past the homeless and there are thousands of homeless people in LA. People just walk by them and ignore them and complain that they're living in tents and taking up the sidewalk. It's just, they're given a bad deal. Life is hard enough for them as it is. If the human nature and the human spirit was such that we all decided to reach out and help, the world would be a very different place. I think so. I think so. So how did you get back on your feet from being homeless? That's a great question. So again, here's another interesting story. So I knew that I had no money, so I couldn't start another company. And I knew that I was going to end up working for someone else if I was going to get a job. And by the way, there were no jobs around. So I really had a difficult time. But I decided, and this is a very difficult thing to do, but it's, it's probably one of the greatest skills that I have, is I looked at my situation as if it wasn't me. In other words, instead of panicking and being scared and being worried, I got a piece of paper and I started planning. I thought to myself, the only one that's going to help me out of this situation is me. I don't have family here. I don't have friends here. I've got no support. So the only one who's going to change my life is me. So I started buying a copy of the, well, not buying. I actually went into Starbucks every day to have a wash in the morning. And I'd always look out for any newspapers that were lying around. So this particular day, there was a copy of the LA Times, which is the big newspaper out here. And I took it with me. And I'm reading it outside on the floor, having my coffee. And there's an ad section in there. And in the ad section, there was a job. Now, the job was for people to sell gold and silver. Now, I don't know if you know this, but the one thing that moves upwards when the stock market moves down is gold and silver. So I knew that if I could get a job within that industry and really learn it, I could make a lot of money and be very successful again. So I looked at the job, but the only problem was the job was looking for someone with experience. And of course, I had none. (laughs) But, But when you're homeless, you don't see things like that. You think, hey, what have I got to lose? I'll apply. So I applied for the job and I made up this fantastic resume that looked as if I'd spent 15 years in gold and silver. I knew that would get me an interview. And it did. Of course, it got me an interview. Okay. So I'm sat there and the company is owned by two people. So they invite me to the interview and then they start talking and we're having a general discussion. And they're saying, okay, well, tell us about your experience. So I looked at them and I said, guys, I've got to be honest, this experience, none of this is me. I made, <laughs> no, I told them, I said, it's not me. I made the whole thing up. Mm. But if you're wondering why I made it up, it's because I really researched your industry. And I know that if you give me a job and you don't have to pay me, let me work for free. I know I'll be your top guy. I know it in my heart. 
So the two guys who own the company looked at each other. Now I'm sat there, remember this, and the two guys start arguing with each other. So the first guy says, I really like this guy. He's cool. He's, you know, he's got, he's got you know, a sense of, of going for it. I love it. But the other guy said, I don't love it. The guy's a liar. He made up his resume. <laughs> you know, blah. And they're arguing with each other. And I'm sat there waiting for my life to be decided. Anyway, eventually, the guy who liked me actually agreed to give me a job. So I was working there, but then something really bad happened because after two days, he came to see me and he said, hey, how are you doing? And I went, great. He said, well, I should just tell you, my family has bought another company in France. He was French, by the way. Okay. And I'm going over there for a year to run that company. Oh. <laughs> so it left me with the guy who really, really didn't like me. So yeah. wanted to fire me. Anyway, to cut a long story short, I got saved again because the top sales guy in the company, for some reason, and I'll, I'll never know to this day, he took a liking to me. He started talking. He was the only one in the entire company that would talk to me and help me. And after a couple of months, he moved company. And in his interview, he said to the new company, I'm only joining if you'll take Steve as well. Oh, He did. And he took me. And then from there, I did become the number one agent. And the rest is history. I've done very well financially from there. But a lot of it is luck. A lot of it is prayer. And a lot of it is guidance. So I'd love to tell you there was a strategic formula. And I'm really smart. And I worked it all out. <laughs> I'm not. I, I'm, I'm just blessed. I think it's just it's just a stroke of luck, just being with it. Yeah. I mean, just having that right connection with a particular person. Because Whoa. sometimes when you when you see somebody, you just don't like them for some reason. And yeah. some people you meet them and you take a liking to them. So, and you know, and you, you know, it's so funny that you say that because with salespeople, when I you know train them and hire them and lead them, I say to them all the time you're going to come across people who for some reason don't like you. They might like the product. They yeah. might like the company. Yeah. But for some reason, they don't like you. Don't worry about it. It happens. The key is let them get to know you because the more they know you, they're going to like you. And haven't you gone through life where you've met someone and your first time you met them, you weren't that keen on them. But then after a while, they began to grow on you. And the more you knew them, the more you began to like them. Yeah, that's, that happens all the time. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It's just that this guy, the guy who hired me just didn't like me. I don't know why, he just didn't. But hey, that's life. <laughs> yeah. That, that's, as my wife would say, that's his bag to carry. <laughs> you yeah. One of my clients is a, a Catholic uh, minister. And he said to me, and I, I, I got to tell you, I actually quite believed him. He said, you know what? If you look at the world, we have turned into Sodom and Gomorrah. And you know what? <laughs> He's not wrong. He isn't. No. I, you know, we're not why we should be as human beings, as a race. I believe that. That's great. Anyway, sorry, I don't mean to sound doomy and gloomy, but... 
you know, there are great people out there. We just need more of. Thank you for coming on my podcast. And my absolute pleasure. Okay, well, listen, God bless. And thank you for having me on. I really enjoyed it. A big thank you to all our listeners who have been sending us messages through the message link. I would like to thank everyone who has listened in so far and contributed to this podcast. Thank you so much. We couldn't have done anything without you. Keep listening. Keep sharing. Keep downloading and keep liking. Thank you again.